This week, AMC Entertainment shores of liquidity through debt, equity raises. Chesapeake prepares exit from Chapter 11. Belcar say proposed plan would leave Sycamore in control post-reorg. And as always, updates from Puerto Rico. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest top developments in high-yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm Connor Skelding. AMC Entertainment on Monday executed commitment letters for $411 million of incremental debt capital through the upsizing and refinancing of its European revolving credit facility. For this new European debt, AMC has the option of paying non-cash pick interest throughout the duration. Oak Tree Capital and Centerbridge Partners provided AMC with a commitment for a new £400 million senior secured term loan facility to refinance its existing £100 million L plus 250 Odeon revolver due 2022 and provide additional liquidity of £300 million, according to sources. AMC subsequently said that, following the debt raise, it expected liquidity to be sufficient to extend operations through July. That estimate came prior to at-the-market or ATM stock sales and conversion of notes to stock. The company said it has sold in aggregate 63.3 million additional shares of its Class A common stock for additional proceeds of $304.8 million since January 25th, in a press release announcing the ATM program's completion. AMC later announced that Silver Lake Group and certain co-investors had elected to convert all $600 million of the company's 2.95% convertible senior secured notes due 2026 into common stock at a conversion price of $13.51 per share, which would result in the issuance of 44.4 million additional shares. Chesapeake Energy disclosed that its management team is beginning to meet with institutional investors as it prepares to exit bankruptcy. In connection with such meetings, the company posted an updated investor presentation to its website, in which it said that remaining milestones include the finalization of exit financing and emergence from Chapter 11, both anticipated in the week of February 8th. The company's Chapter 11 plan was confirmed on Jan 13th. Chesapeake said that it has permanently removed approximately $1 billion of annual cash costs compared with 2019, with cash costs defined as the sum of lease operating expenses, gathering, processing, and transportation, or GP&T, general and administrative, or GNA, operating taxes, and interest. Combined with a, quote, disciplined capital reinvestment rate targeting $700 million to $750 million of annual capital expenditures, the company is seeking a flexible capital allocation strategy among debt reduction, dividend payments, common stock repurchases, reinvestments, and M&A opportunities. Long term, the company said it is targeting a leverage ratio of under 1x. The company's liquidity at emergence is forecast to include approximately $1.4 billion available on its $1.75 billion exit revolving credit facility. With expected, quote, substantial free cash flow, the company said it expects its revolver to be undrawn by the end of 2021. Upon emergence, the company is expected to issue 100 million to 160 million common shares, inclusive of the rights offering, backstop agreement, and warrants, depending on how many are exercised. The company's 2021 estimated development plan includes approximately $600 million of development capex, with 85% of its spending, 45% Appalachia, 40% Gulf Coast, allocated to its natural gas-centric regions. 
With renegotiated midstream contracts, the company estimates that GPNT costs in 2021 will be more than 20% lower from estimated 2020 costs, with a further 5% year-over-year reduction estimated in 2022. Estimated costs in 2021 and 2022 exclude the company's GPNT costs associated with its mid-continent assets. The company obtained bankruptcy court approval for the proposed sale of the mid-continent assets to affiliates of Tapstone Energy, an existing Tapstone investor, Kennedy Lewis Investment Management, for $130.45 million. Department store chain Belk Inc. uploaded its plan, disclosure statement, and restructuring support agreement to its solicitation agent, Prime Clerk's website, ahead of its expected Chapter 11 filing on February 24th. The company intends to file an expedited prepackaged Chapter 11 in the Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Texas, with a combined first day and confirmation hearing on the petition date, and aims to emerge from bankruptcy by February 26th. According to documents and as previously reported, Belk entered into an RSA on January 26th with sponsor Sycamore Partners Management and certain affiliates, holders of more than 75% of first lien term loan claims, and 100% of holders of outstanding second lien term loan claims. The company says that the primary purpose of the plan is to, quote, implement a restructuring transaction that deleverages the debtor's balance sheet and provides for a $225 million new money investment from the consenting sponsor and certain of the consenting lenders. The company began soliciting votes on its plan of reorganization on January 26th from Class 4 first lien term loan claims, Class 5 second lien term loan claims, and Class 6 general unsecured claims, which are impaired under the proposed plan. A combined first day DS approval and confirmation hearing is scheduled for February 24th at 3 p.m. Eastern. The DS indicates the debtor's aim to go effective February 26th. According to the DS, as of January 25th, the debtors had about $1.91 billion of funded debt. Upon emergence, the reorganized debtor's capital structure would consist of a new super-priority first lien credit facility of up to $1.122 billion, a $100 million new second lien credit facility, and a $900 million ABL facility. The new term loans to be issued under the new first lien credit facility would consist of a $300 million new first lien first out loan comprising $225 million of new FLFO new money loans and $75 million of FLFO roll-up loans, up to $822 million in new first lien second out loans or FLSO and $110 million in new second lien term loans. Sycamore, as the sponsor backstop party, has committed to backstop $100 million of the new FLFO new money loans, which may be reduced on account of any oversubscriptions by the participating existing lenders, and provided that such oversubscription and corresponding reduction will not reduce the sponsor backstop commitments below $65 million of the new FLFO new money loans. Under the plan, holders of the debtor's pre-petition ABL facility would receive either payment in cash on account of such claims, plus replacement or cash collateralization of all issued and undrawn letters of credit, or a pro-rata share of refinanced loans under a new ABL facility equal to the respective holder's principal amount of ABL facility claims held as of the effective date, plus cash on account of any accrued but unpaid interest. The plan would provide holders of first lien term loan claims with new first lien second out loans or FLSO loans in a principal amount equal to 55% of each holder's respective first lien term loan claims, 
plus cash payment for any accrued and unpaid amortization and interest at the default rate. Secondly, term loan claims would receive new FLSO loans equal to 15% of each holder's respective claims, along with a share of new secondly term loans equal to 20% of each holder's respective claims. Secondly, term loan claims would also receive 34.9% of the new common equity of reorganized belt. The plan would reinstate interests in Fashion Holdings Intermediate LLC subject to dilution on account of the new common stock. However, all other legal, equitable, and contractual rights to which holders of such interests are entitled would otherwise remain unaltered. General unsecured claims would be unimpaired and would be 1. reinstated or 2. paid in full in cash, either on the effective date or in the ordinary course of business. According to the RSA, upon the plan effective date, the new common stock would be held on a pro forma basis as follows. 50.1% by Fashion Holdings LLC. 34.9% by holders of second lien term loan claims and 15% by existing lenders that elect to fund their pro rata shares of $125 million of the new FLFO new money loans. In a resolution issued Monday, January 25th, the Puerto Rico Energy Bureau ordered the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, quote, to abstain from implementing a 10-year infrastructure plan submitted to the Federal Emergency Management Agency because it conflicts with the Integrated Resource Plan and Modified Action Plan, the PREP approved on August 24, 2020. Also on Tuesday, the PREP approved with modifications. PREPA's proposed request for proposals of 1,000 megawatts of solar PV power generation or any energy equivalent renewable resource and 500 MW of battery storage and directed the public utility to execute the RFP process, quote, as soon as possible. PREPA officials say that the RFP will be posted shortly. During a Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority Governing Board meeting on Wednesday, Charles Bayless, who chairs the Governing Board's Finance and Bankruptcy Committee, discussed PREPA's pending Title III debt restructuring, noting that a resumption of interest payments on debt would throw our cash flow negative, but that capital expenditures should go way down post-restructuring because of an influx of federal disaster funds. He also said that new generation and infrastructure should also drive down costs. Bayless said that, quote, all of these ups and downs have to be worked out and noted that PREPA remains in constant communication with the Puerto Rico Fiscal Agency and Financial Advisory Authority, or AFAF, and the governor's office. In a status report filed Tuesday in advance of the January 27th omnibus hearing in Puerto Rico Title III cases, the Promesa Oversight Board said it and its advisors continue to participate in the mediation process aimed at developing plans of adjustment. The Oversight Board said it is meeting with, quote, as many creditor groups as possible prior to the court's February 10th deadline to file a plan or term sheet in the Commonwealth Title III proceedings. The status report states that the sessions are being scheduled and coordinated by the mediation team with the goal of reaching a consensual plan of adjustment. The status report also notes that the Oversight Board has met with Governor Pedro Pierluisi, quote, several times since he took office at the start of the month. Although the Oversight Board says the relationship with the Commonwealth Government continues to be collaborative, status report raises concerns about the Commonwealth's delay in publishing its consolidated audited financial statements, which are more than two years behind schedule. 
The report also notes that the Oversight Board continues to remind the Commonwealth that it must comply with PROMISA and the Certified Fiscal Plan, highlighting recent regulations and a financing resolution that were enacted without Oversight Board approval. Reorg published an Excel model on Monday detailing the terms of the Centerbridge, Oak Tree and Honeywell, or COH, Group Plan Support Agreement in the Garrett Motion cases. The model compares the valuation implied for shareholders by a $6.25 cash-out option with the valuation that would be required to convince unaffiliated shareholders to waive their right to cash out at that price, rather electing to roll over their interest in the company and participate in a $200 million preferred stock rights offering. The plan waterfall model found that a $3.626 billion valuation is required in order for shareholders to recover more through reinstatement than through the cash-out option. Based on the company's projections of 2021 adjusted EBITDA of $490 million and capital expenditures of $108 million, a $3.626 billion valuation equates to 7.4x 2021 adjusted EBITDA and 9.5x 2021 adjusted EBITDA less CapEx. If you're interested in taking a look, check out the Garrett coverage page on the Reorg site or contact your sales rep. Top Red Stories this week included Cedril Partners in Global Settlement Discussions with Manager Cedril Limited, Great Progress Made Towards Plan, BP Exploration Sanctioned for Willful Knowing and Intentional Automatic Stay Violation, Cyrus Capital Discloses Intelsat Convertible Note Holders Cooperation Agreement, Right of First Refusal Agreement, PetSmart Revives Refinancing Attempt with Proposed $4 Billion Chewy Stock Collateral, parent affiliate guarantee to compensate for stripping direct Chewy support to debt. Now, here's Jim from Houston with the week ahead. Well, thank you and greetings, folks. Monday, February 1st, we have a status conference hearing in Fieldwood, confirmation hearing for Highland Capital. Tuesday, February 2nd, in C-Drill, there is a hearing on an emergency motion to prove the energy drilling MSA. Wednesday, February 3rd, omnibus hearing in Rent Path, earnings in a call in Bristow, and a DS hearing in Fieldwood. Got a little offshore theme going here, I see. Anyways, Thursday, earnings from Peabody and a summary motion summary judgment motion hearing in Gulfport, excuse me, there. And Friday, there's several hearings related to Highland Capital Management. And that is all from me. Back to y'all in New York. Thanks again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. As always, find all of our podcasts on the Reorg Media page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Hope your families are healthy and safe. See you next Friday.